Just got back from Italy Friday night, so my body has no clue what time it is. Um, what an amazing experience. Our chancel choir got to sing in some incredible places. I was hotter than I've ever been before with sweat continually running down my back. Uh, learned a lot about myself in crowds. <laughs> I don't like crowds. <laughs> There was one point in Venice when David and I were in line to go on a boat tour and literally I was being shoved and pushed and I was trying my best to be patient. I wasn't very patient because I was hot and all these people were up in my space and this man literally put his hands around my waist and pushed me out of the way. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I held it together. Thanks be to God for self-control, but I learned a lot about myself. It's so good to be home, and it's so good to be here with you. Um, before I left, several months ago, God made it very clear to me the vision to which he's calling us as Jesus followers, the vision for this church and for those of us who profess Jesus as Savior. I'm sure that God has had this vision for a while, but that there were scales on my eyes. Thanks be to God that the scales are being removed. I'm sure that God had been sharing his vision with me, but my heart was pretty hardened. Thanks be to God that my heart and other hearts are being softened. I'm sure that God had made his, his vision pretty clear to me but I wasn't yet willing to be a servant leader. But I am willing to pray the prayer, lay me down, not your will, but mine. And I, I believe more than anything that that is who we are called to be as Jesus followers. So these may not be in the next three weeks, real comfortable messages. Because God has a calling for us. God is calling us to be set apart, to be different, to be anti-cultural, to take a stand and to live out our faith in very personal ways. You see, when I was in Italy, I had this opportunity to go into some of the most exquisitely ornate cathedrals and basilicas I've ever seen. I felt so empty, I didn't know what to do. Because it was all this show and all of this fancy stuff, and I longed to feel the Spirit of God. I longed to feel the presence of God, and I didn't. I couldn't. All I could see was all this money and all of this stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't go all on the artsy thing and the history stuff. I know that. But I so wanted to feel deep in my heart the presence of God. And all I kept hearing about were the rules of religion and the, the stuff of religion. And it, to me, felt very legalistic and I heard Jesus saying to me I am a personal savior 
I am a personal God. God sent me to reveal himself to us, to you, in personal ways. Yes, when I go to our sanctuary and the light comes through those stained glass windows, I sometimes literally fall to my knees. I am so in awe of God through the beauty. It may have been all the crowds of people that kept me away from that connection in Italy. I don't know. But I, I longed for it. I longed for him. And I longed to hear from him. I knew weeks ago that this was what we needed to study as soon as I got back. This is not coincidence. This morning, some of you were at early service in traditional, and Charles went with a different parable in a different book, but the message was the same. We have work to do. So let's jump right in. Um, let's see, what else do I need to say? Oh, I wanted to tell you about the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, N-O-N-E-S. I read just, like, just last night about the nuns, that, that people, a third of the people in America, 30 and under, one third of the people, 30 and under, are choosing to say, I have none. I have no relationship with a church. I really don't want one. I'm going to leave behind what my parents and grandparents have taught. Because to these nuns, N-O-N-E-S, it feels like a bunch of rules that have been handed down. It feels like a bunch of do this or do that. If you do it this way, then God will bless you. But if you do it differently, oh, watch out. My friends, we have work to do. And it doesn't happen here on Sunday morning within this hour. It happens in our daily lives when we are called to live out our faith in personal ways. It's the way Jesus lived. He spent time with those that nobody else wanted to. He spent time, Scripture says, with sinners, or that's what we say. You know, Jesus spent time with sinners, ate with sinners. He welcomed outsiders in. He was the one who spent time with people. And the big thing, he was the one who forgave people while he was being tortured, while he was being rejected, and when he was killed, Father Forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. I didn't really want to speak, preach this message, because I, this is a hard one. It's a hard one to live out. And then Jesus reminded me, well, of course it is. You can't do anything without me. It's not supposed to be easy. If it were easy, then you'd go on and do your own thing, just like you usually do. Instead... I am calling you to be living in a countercultural way so that people can, can experience me, so that people can know me by the way you are in relationship with them. So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at Luke 14. 
Amen. Luke 14. <laughs> Jesus followers, who are we supposed to be? What should our lives look like? At the beginning of, of Luke 14, we are told that Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. And I'm thinking that he was a pretty strong, big man, uh, a big rabbi, or perhaps even a member of the Sanhedrin. So he was invited to their house, but it was all a trap. It was all a ploy to try to get Jesus to do something that was not appropriate. It was against the rules, and that was healing on the Sabbath. You see, there was a guy there with, what does it say, dropsy. Most people say that that's like, what's the swelling? It starts with an E. e uh, yes, thank you. Anyway, um, Bottom line, Jesus chose to heal the man on the spot because Jesus saw right through the Pharisees' idea of what a trap would be, and he called them out from hypocrisy to humility. So that's where we got to sit today, my friends. Hypocrisy versus humility. So start with me. Verse 7, and let me just say, you got to get your scripture out on your phone or bring your Bible or something because this isn't a Sunday morning thing. You've got to stick with this and, and meditate on it throughout the week and then let God speak to you personally. Luke 14, starting with the seventh verse, when he, Jesus, noticed how the guest picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move on up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all of your fellow guests. Verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God for us, Jesus' followers. Thanks be to God. Now, I could give about four messages on this parable, but did you hear? Did you feel the hypocrisy? Verse 7 when Jesus noticed how they were picking the places of honor. It's kind of like those crowds in Italy. Everybody was pushing around to get to the best seat, to get to the best place. 
think of how you and I do that in our life today. For you see, we have this mentality, I believe, that it's all about us. I've entitled the message, Falling Upward, that comes from a, a Franciscan friar named Richard Rohr. I studied with him through the Spiritual Formation Academy. He leads a, a center of action and contemplation in New Mexico. You see, he believes that we have to sit and meditate and, and study the Word of God and have such a deep connection with Jesus, our Savior, so that we can then take action in the world. Action without that meditation and study doesn't work. Meditation and study without the action doesn't work. It takes both. And this is what he says. To move forward, there is always something that must be let go of. Moved beyond, given up, or forgiven to enter the larger picture. The way up, or I would say moving forward on our path of transformation. The way up is down. You see and feel how countercultural that is? When everything in society tells us we gotta climb the ladder? Yet in verse 11, it says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So today, as we talk about hypocrisy and humility, I want you to envision you're falling just flat on your face with arms raised up, submitting to God's divine, sovereign authority. You see, if we truly meant what we sang, lay me down, my life isn't my own, it will be my joy to say your will your way? Really? Then we, and, and I, it is me, I, I have to change. I have to change the way I'm living. I have to change the way I'm thinking, and I have to change the way I'm interacting with other people. So let's look at, first of all, hypocrisy, just some ideas of what I think it looks like what I have an idea that it looked like at that home of the Pharisee's house. First one is this. There's a feeling of being superior and right and in control. My way or the highway. There's an element of ego. A colleague in ministry, well, it was actually when she was preaching in Kenya, said ego means edging God out right? Because it's all about us. Hypocrisy, self-centered, arrogant, unaware of the rest of the world. You and I know that because we live that sometimes. It's that all about me. It's what I deserve. What, what's in it for me? You know, there were some of us Americans in Italy that just thought the world revolved around us. 
Here we were visiting in a country, we were guests, yet we demanded things being our way. We demanded food just like that. We demanded our check just like that. When in the Italian culture, it's all about relationship. It's all about family. It's all about letting the world subside and spending time being real in relationship with one another. Oh, we have so much to learn. Hypocrisy, the entitlement mindset. And then, hypocrisy is almost always undergirded by rules and regulations and judgment. This is what I would call the religious legalism. The Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus because they didn't think he was following the rules. And Jesus turned it around. He loved them enough to spend time with them, to tell them a story, to tell them a parable. Hypocrisy. Good morning, my name is Joanne, and I'm a hypocrite. God is calling us to be image bearers, to let the light of Jesus shine. That means that we will feel uncomfortable. We will be pushed out of our way of doing things. We will need to be in relationship with those who are different from us, those who drive us crazy. I learned a lot about myself on this trip. I don't like crowds. I'm very impatient. And God's calling me to be in relationship with those that get on my last nerve. All right, let's look at humility. Jesus, humble servant Jesus. Humility comes from an understanding of the cross. You know this, but turn to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, an understanding of the cross. Do you remember what Jesus did for you? What Jesus did for me? Philippians 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very form and nature God God Almighty incarnate. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he chose not to consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself, number one? No. But made himself nothing. 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I believe that our humility is something that will come only when we die to self. Only when we in freedom say, I can't do this. And then Jesus says, that's exactly where I want you. Because then I can work in and through you. Understanding what Jesus did for us on the cross. Humility means that we're going to be vulnerable. We aren't going to have all the answers. We're going to look like fools a lot of the time. We're going to be out of place. We're going to be against what societal norms are. We will more than likely be ridiculed. We will more than likely be made fun of. Humility means that we will be self-surrendered and submitted. It means that we will choose to let our lives be a living sacrifice. I will say it again. If you have not watched the sermon, when was that? Father's Day, June 15th. You got to watch Brent's sermon. Because what he taught us was that our hearts need to be an altar. Is Jesus the king of your heart? Lord and savior of your whole life. That's when we can live out humility versus hypocrisy. Humility truly sees the rest of the world. It means that we're going to allow others in because we're allowing God in to do an incredible work within us. It means that now that our church has partnered with the Zoe Project with those kids in Africa, it doesn't mean that we're doing stuff for them. It means that we take the position of show us. Teach us, lead us, guide us. You see, it's not about us doing for them. It's a partnership. It's just like on Youth Choir Tour in Rhode Island, we served with the Elisha Project. They were being influential change makers in their community because they were choosing to hang out with the homeless, with the drug addicts, with the alcoholics, with the people that nobody else wanted to pay attention to. I was carrying a plastic tub of food, of bags, to hand out when I saw what was written on the side of the, the tub. And it said, EP, Elisha Project. Most people think this is a homeless program with focus being on the needy. However, only the second part is true. We are focused on the needy. We just don't know on which side of the bag the needier person resides. That is humility. 
humility versus hypocrisy? Are you willing to be in relationship with others? I say that God is calling us to humbly ask ourselves what we can learn from other people. Richard Rohr says, it's those humans who are on the edge of what we have defined, what we have defined as normal, as proper, or as good. It is those people who often have the most to teach us. Jesus modeled it so well. And I, I don't want you to think that this, I don't want you to distance yourself. Because this isn't a, a thing about going to a foreign country or going to serve at Bridging the Gap or going to the Samaritan's Clinic or whatever. It is a complete calling of lifestyle, of changing how we live our lives. Discipleship, a disciple is a follower, a follower of Jesus. If we're going to follow Jesus, then our lives will look different. And I'm talking about it starts first inside our households. It has to do with how we interact with family. It has to do how we interact in the workplace, on the soccer field, on the baseball field. It has to do with the choices that we make. It has to do with our daily lives. All right, humility. Huh. It's when we admit I'm wrong or I don't know. Humility is not when we try to fake it because we don't want other people to, to understand that we don't have a clue, right? Humility means owning up to the fact, I, I really don't. I don't get it, I don't understand, I don't know. Humility means that we will choose to have a willingness to fall. I believe humility is a great risk. And we have to be willing to fall. We have to be willing to let self die so that Jesus can be more alive in and through us. We have to be willing to fail. And that's where the mystery of faith comes in. We have to stand firm, trusting God through faith. Because it's not about a belief system. We can have a belief system and be the biggest jerk in the neighborhood. But if we choose to live out our faith... People will recognize that there's something different about us. They will see Jesus. They will want to, to be in relationship. It's all about the sovereign will, the authority of God. And it's about Jesus being the king of our hearts, the king, Lord, of our lives. It's what scripture says, I must decrease, Jesus must increase. It means that we put him first. 
It means that we don't just read a little five-minute devotional on the morning, you know, or hear something, hear something quick-like. It means that we carve out time. We make time to be in relationship with Jesus. To worship at his feet and to hear from him so that we might learn from him how to make a difference, how to be in relationship. And then finally, I can't take credit for this one. My brother Landon keeps preaching it at me. I finally get it, I think. There is no job too low. If we truly are going to be followers of Jesus, then you and I don't have the right to say, oh, I want to do this. But mm, no, I, mm, no I, I don't want to do that. If we are going to live out our lives the way Jesus is calling us, then when Jesus says go, we will go. When he says stay, we will stay. If he says, walk out on the water and I say it can't be done, he will make a way. Because he wants me, he wants us to get to the point that we can't do it. That's when our strength comes. It's his strength. It's his spirit working in and through us. Falling upward. It's not a new thing. Our founder of the United Methodist Church, John Wesley, wrote a covenant prayer years ago. This is what falling upward means. I am no longer my own, O God, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. You see, I didn't sign up to suffer. But my life, as we sang about, is not my own. God is calling me, God is calling us to lay it down. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside by thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. You see, it's a choice. I'm going to repeat that one. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, thou art mine and I am thine. Do you hear that reciprocity? Do you hear the relationship? So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified, let it be glorified, let it be affirmed in heaven. 
That's what it means to be a disciple. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I have no doubt that is God's vision for us in the next years to come. Now, I'm going to give you some specific directions today. You know how I believe each message needs a response. But I am going to just tell you that this is not about praying with and for somebody else. If you have a specific prayer need and you would like brothers and sisters to pray together for you, with you, let's do that after, after a while, okay? Because sometimes it's too easy for us to think, oh, I need to pray with that person, and we ignore what's going on right here. So as the band gets ready, I'm going to encourage you to do some personal self-assessment, meaning open up to God, to what God might be revealing to you. Where in your life do you have hypocrisy? Where in your life is there humility and where is God calling you to more? And I encourage you in whatever way you feel God asking you to respond, respond. Come up here and kneel and have a time of humbling yourself before God. Pray at your chair, kneel on the floor, stand up, raise your hands, whatever. But let's make a personal act of faith and respond.